What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 19 on this Monday, September the 18th, 2023. Josh Calloway, James Jackson, no Tom Green today. He's tied up with some other things, so it's going to be just James and I on the program today. James, Tulsa in the rearview mirror. First road game, kind of. I mean, it was it was a road game, but, you know, not a big one. Big one this week, though. Cincinnati, looking forward to it, man. Are you pumped up to get out to uh, Ohio this weekend? A little, a little different. Hey, man, we're, we're flying out now. So it's a very different situation yeah. than all of us <laughs> carpooling down to Tulsa. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. We had some hot takes in the ride in the ride <laughs> home. I wonder, <laughs> we might have to touch on that here later on. But, yeah, getting on the road, man. Glad to see uh glad, glad to be back on the podcast. And you know, I missed last week because of softball coverage. Every right. all the breaking news that came from that just had to just had to, to tally that up real fast. So I'll do it without Tom this week and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Tom busy knocking out some other stuff. Uh he's been uh swamped with some other things, working on some other cool stuff for Sooners Illustrated. So just James and I today. Be a little bit of a of a shorter show, I'm sure, with just the two of us. We're gonna recap the Tulsa game, obviously, kind of expound on it, give our full reaction uh, a couple of days removed. We'll also look at the Big 12 a little bit going into conference play starting this week. Conference is looking shaky, to say the least, uh, after the last, uh, really last, really the whole season to this point, <laughs> but especially last weekend, not good uh, for the Big 12. We'll also glimpse ahead a little bit to Cincinnati this weekend. But yeah, a bit of a different uh, road trip when you're having to hop in a plane as opposed to just an hour and a half north or so yeah, yeah. up to T-Town. But we're looking forward to it. Fired up. We're all going to be there, Tom, James, and I, so... Fired up for it, and uh, we'll get there, preview that ball game for you in due time. But first, let's get into the weekend a little bit. Let's get uh, we'll stretch this thing out and, and talk about what Oklahoma did over the weekend. Whipping up on Tulsa, 66-17, to 17, of course, was the final. James and I did a recap on the field uh, after the game. You can listen to that or watch it on the YouTube. But we'll get into some of that stuff uh, again here in podcast form. James, obviously, I mean, they won the game by near 50 points. It was a little dicey, if you want to call it that, for a little mm-hmm. while in the second quarter where Tulsa, Cardo Williams came into the game um, and gave him fits for a while, a couple of drives with some coverage busts, and they got in the end zone a couple times. But defense found their footing again, obviously, overall, a dominant showing. I guess, in the for lack of a better way to ask you, did you leave the game more confident in Oklahoma Less confident or just more of the same beating up on an inferior opponent? How kind of where, where did this what did this game do for you on kind of the mood, the vibe meter for Oklahoma right now? I'm, I'm actually I'm actually more confident after seeing that because we, we saw it against Arkansas State and a little shaky against SMU. But you see it again, you know, being able to mm-hmm. beat an inferior opponent like that. OK, you're thinking, all right, so this is, wasn't just like a fluke the first time and just have one good game. They're starting to put everything together and it, and it looked really good. Like I said last week, I mean, it's just like. That first quarter, you watch them play. You're like, man, this may be a top four team the way they're playing and everything like that. This is a really, really good football team. And the second quarter kind of brought them back to reality a little bit. There's just there's still some mishaps there. Although, yeah, like I said, I was gonna go back and watch it and, and see really what was going <laughs> on. There were some different guys in there at the time of at least the first touchdown with Vickers going in there uh, and just not knowing which coverage he was in at the, t- the situation. Guys, yeah. yeah, and Brent Venables talked about that. He's a true freshman trying to get some reps, and he just didn't know which coverage he was in. But they're going to get that fixed. Obviously, it's going to be hashed out a lot, I bet, at practice after that because this can't happen. You, you, I mean, they've had some struggles at corner with guys staying healthy. We, we, we talked about Gentry Williams for a couple of times. You know, just he's been awesome and amazing when he's been in the game. But he's, he's had a little yeah. injury uh, history right there so far. So, when, when just when he's in, when he's not in there, you got to be able to you know trust the next guy that's up. And 
So they'll, they'll they'll work on that. They'll work on that, and it's early in the season, so it's a good time for that to happen. I think you can you can work on that and get everything done. I mean, what other time than when it's twenty eight to zero to have you know have sure. a guy jump in there? So I mean, sure. not too bad a situation so far. Yeah, you know, at the risk of sounding like I'm talking to both sides of my mouth, I think Saturday was a reminder that it is a work in progress in some mm-hmm. regards. But I also still feel pretty much just as confident as I did in the defense, even yeah. giving up those touchdowns. I mean, they got five interceptions on Saturday. They got three <laughs> sacks, and we talked about that. Remember, the James, you and I did the recap after the Arkansas State game where they shut out the Red Wolves, and we're like, yeah, they shut them out, but only one sack, only one mm-hmm. turnover. Well, you know, here's the other side of the coin. Yeah, they gave up a few touchdowns, a couple touchdowns, I should say, 17 points, but they got five interceptions, almost had another yeah. one, and they got sacks. They had pressure on the quarterback. They're up 28 nothing in this game in a blink. You know what I mean? They kind of yeah. had a little bit of a lapse there and maybe focus or, like you said, working other guys in. I don't know. But they reeled it back in. I mean, they dominated the back end of this game. It was never really close. But Tulsa got to where it was at least like kind of a game for a minute, kind of. And mm-hmm. it got really ugly again very quickly. So I still feel really confident in this defense. Danny Sussman continues to be really good. Again, led the team in tackles. Like you said, the secondary is just playing well. Kendall Dolby interception, Key Lawrence interception, Gentry Williams interception. Um, like I just mentioned with the pass rush getting in there. Even Trace Ford got an interception in this game. I mean, they, yeah. they're kind of playing well at every level of the defense right now. There's not really yeah. one spot on the defense that you're feeling like is too glaring of an issue. The D tackles have probably their best game. Uh, Dejon Terry, Isaiah Coe, and that, that group. So, yeah, defensively, it's... Yeah, I mean, would you rather have not had those lapses in the middle there? Sure, obviously, but they reeled it in pretty quick. And, I mean, Tulsa, for the most part, outside of that stretch, was, you know, kind of uh, really having a hard time. So I'm not I'm not too concerned, really, with that. I'm looking at the overall picture, I guess, more than just that that stretch there in the second quarter. Yeah, and it was, it was just the second quarter pretty much in this game. Right, I mean, right. We've seen – at OU, we've seen so many games where it's the entire game. You know, you, you're trying <laughs> to fight your way – it, you know, it's taken like Heisman level quarterback play for OU to win the you know games over the last recent years, and they don't they don't necessarily need that anymore with the way the defense has been playing over this short stretch of games that we've seen so far. So, like I said, that's a good thing to see. Obviously, teams are going to score points; they have talented guys on the other side of the field as well. That's that's going to happen. But you know, all fans want perfection. You want to score on every offensive drive, and you want to get a three and out or interception or turnover in some way on the defensive side. I mean, that's just. That's just what kind of expectations fans have. You know, it's, it's more fun to watch that way. But when those lapses do happen, I mean, you got to think, you got just be thankful it was only two drives instead of the entire game as, mm. as you've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah. 15 tackles for loss on Saturday. That, wow. That's, you know, that, that's a healthy number. And you're yeah. feeling good about that. And, you know, it was a good point. It was brought up at the press conference today with Ted Roof, you know, getting to face Cardell Williams. Cause I think that that switch up clearly. Roman Fuller, who started the game for Tulsa, God bless him. He was he was having a rough go. He was having a rough time. Three interceptions. They were down 28 nothing. like I said, in a blink. They go to Cardell Williams, who's a different quarterback, a little more mobile, a little more athletic, and it gave him problems for a little bit. Uh, but they, like we said, they reeled it in, and that, you know, in the long term might be a good thing. Uh, you're coming up, we're talking about a little bit later, you're coming up against a quarterback this weekend who is very mobile, very athletic, so you're not going into that completely brand new. You know, the quarterbacks they faced before, JT Shroud, Arkansas State, Preston Stone, who I, I talked about, was really impressive, but he's not a guy who's going to you just scramble all over the place on you. Mm-hmm. Having that experience with Cardio Williams kind of burning them a little bit, I think maybe serves as a little mini wake-up call before Emory Jones and then 
some of these other guys down the road. So overall, defense uh, defensively, you've given, up, you've given up 28 total points in three games. I mean, defensively, you're still feeling really good about things. You have a top five scoring defense right now. Again, they haven't played great teams, although SMU I think is going to wind up being a pretty solid team. Um, the competition will get better, but right now I, I think it would be I – th- I mean, I don't think I'm saying anything that's crazy. I think everybody would agree. The defense is still doing a lot of things to really, really like through a, a few games here. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the difference between the two quarterbacks with Fuller and Williams. Fuller's just not as mobile as Williams was. So exactly. the pressure yeah. that the defensive tackles – and you talked about them as well. The, the pressure they were getting was really affecting – you know, where he could place his feet and get to set off the throw the right way that he wanted to. So just he had to make the reads quicker than he than he wanted to and was making, you know, just the balls that were just easily intercepted, easily just going up and getting it over a guy that you're, you should be better than with, with the way that, you know, everything's recruited in the offseason. But when when Williams goes in there, then he can make a little bit more, uh-huh. more action. And you, you got to think, oh, you made an adjustment to kind of stop that in, this, in the third and second half because the third and fourth quarter was just three points scored for that offense. And Williams didn't no longer look like a guy that was going to carve them up for the rest of the way. So you got to shout out to the defense for that. Ted Roof and everybody like that, Brent Venables, figuring out what Cardell Williams was doing to them to shut it down. And that gives you confidence going into the Cincinnati week. As you said, there's a mobile quarterback over there. So, yeah, they figured right. it out and they're, 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 been, they're able to make adjustments and, and, and do good things from that. So that's that's a good sign. Absolutely. Offensively. The offense is in a weird kind of place right now because I feel like, um, you know, the fans and I'll loop myself in are kind of still like a little wary of this Mm -hmm. offense, even though the numbers are outrageous. I mean, obviously (laughs) 66 points on Saturday, 59 of that from the offense. Obviously, you had the Danny Stutzman pick six. Um, They're pretty much moving right down the field with these. Obviously, you had the SMU game where we all were wondering what the heck was happening for a couple quarters, and then they ramped it back up in the fourth to put that game away. Arkansas State, we we know what that was. And now this weekend, they pretty much did it again. They could have got up into the 70s and 80s if they kept their foot on the gas late. They really slow played it just to kind of do very simple Mm -hmm. runs up the middle and just kind of working the clock a little bit. This offense, James, I guess, how do you – I mean, right now they're throwing the ball – Obviously, they're passing specifically to the wide receivers at an extremely high level. You had three mm-hmm. guys go off in this game, Jaleel Farouk, Nick Anderson, and Angel Anthony, all went for over 100 yards, which is a rare thing to have three guys go for a Benjamin. Angel yeah. Anthony's been doing it all year. Farouk has officially turned the corner to being back to Jaleel Farouk. And Nick Anderson is the breakout star so far of the season so far for Oklahoma offensively. This pass game is... Really good. Dylan Gabriel, 28 of 31 over 400 yards, kind of getting into that Heisman conversation, at least on the fringe of it, really early for that kind of talk. But right now, at least on the fringe of it, the, the specifically through the air, uh, you know, you got to feel like Emmett Jones with what he has done with this group, that receiver core is playing at a really, really high level and is really, really deep right now. It, it's hilarious in hindsight that that was looked at as a, a weak spot in the offseason because <laughs> right now it's looking I was like gonna say that. massive strength right now. <laughs> I was going to say that. I mean, you said it. I mean, you said it. We, it's crazy. This offense, I mean, it looks really good offense. Like, just throwing the ball and everything like that in that situation, they look very, very good. You know I mean, I, you can't knock for what they've done. Running the ball seems to be an issue. And I know we talked mm-hmm. about position groups before the season and that running back room. We had, I mean, we had seen production from those those top two guys, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. We we had seen it. And that is that's the explanation for why we were so high on them. We hadn't seen it so much from the wide receiver room and, and, man, they just blown it out of the park. The Robertson room has been outstanding so far. Nick Anderson having his Randy Moss type of game, a situation like that, is, 
It's crazy, crazy. I mean, I, I like I like your tweet that you you tweeted out Randy Moss for anybody. <laughs> That's what else, I thought I of immediately. Yeah, Oklahoma yeah. Athletics took that from you afterwards, but that was that was you first. I'll give you props <laughs> for that. But man, he had a great great game, and it just it's running the ball right now. That seems to be where they're struggling at. You know, maybe they're not running the you know the the right plays just yet. Maybe that's what it is. Trying to get the offensive line situated yeah. first. I don't. I'm not entirely sure why it hasn't worked as well as it has because they've seemed to given you know each guy at least a half of them getting a majority of the carries. We talk about that running back room, and there's been flashes here and there from certain guys like Toby Walker and 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 Marcus Major. But you're trying to see what's going to happen from now on because Gavin Salchuk was the guy that was you know they were really trying to feed him during that second half and trying to get him going because he, he's been banged up. I think I think it's a hamstring injury that he's trying to come back from, but just trying to see where he's at because we asked we asked Jeff Lee about this at the presser today, just like what's going on with the running back room? Are you actually going to have, you know, one guy or is this going to be the hot hand? What is it going to be? And he's like, we're just going to ride the hot hand from here on out. Like this, that's yeah. what it was. We were trying to get Gavin the ball in there and see what he could do, Just which is what you want to do. You want to give everybody a chance to show what they can do, but now it's going to be the hot hand going forward. So, That'll be fun to see which running back goes out there now because the hot hand could be any of them at this point. Yeah, the running game is in a weird place. Um, I think the offensive line is maybe, you know, is not really, I think, performing at quite the level that they'd like it to be. I think that's a fair assessment at this point in the season. And then also, like you're kind of saying, this, you know, the first two weeks we came on the show, you know, the two of us and Tom, and we were like, where are Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk? Why aren't they more involved? Why aren't they getting the ball? And Saturday they did, and but Marcus Major and Tawi Walker, zero carries between the two of them. Tawi Walker went for over 100 yards before, and I don't think – I don't know. And again, I, at the risk of sounding like I'm, again, talking both sides of my mouth a little bit, I don't know. I think Barnes and Sawchuk should be your guys. You should build around them. They should get the most carries. But I was surprised to see Major and Walker essentially eliminated completely – when they've done nice things, especially Tali Walker. I mean, he, he had a career day against uh, SMU the week before. Didn't even see him in this game. So I think they're still trying to figure it out. You know, Javante Barnes had an okay day. I mean, solid. Over five yards of carry. I mean, he had uh, the one big one, obviously, that kind of inflates that. The big edge was like 20 yards, 15 yeah, or so, yeah. I think. 17 but, yards, yeah. 17, yeah. So, you know, but they're – they're not running the ball consistently, you know, down people's throats like he's thinking. We said going into the weekend that Tulsa's defensive front was not bad. They have a decent – they actually mm-hmm. defended the run pretty well in the first couple games that they have played, including one against Washington. So we knew this was going to be a little bit of a test, and I can't really in good conscience say they passed it. They're just – they're not running at a high enough level for me to feel good about it right now. Mm-hmm. Now, so far, it hasn't mattered because they're throwing the ball – so exceptionally well and all these receivers are making plays everywhere that it's making up for it but yeah the running game is still trying to find its footing a little bit and uh that's gonna be something that's interesting to watch moving forward and again this weekend another really good defensive front cincinnati's got some dudes on their defense especially like i said in their front seven it's not gonna get any easier this weekend so that's something that oklahoma's got to find a way to figure out you know before uh before too long yeah i mean it's it's crazy that we we have this type of conversation when the offense is scoring so many points exactly. in this first yeah, two games. Right. It's, it's like, where would they be if they actually could run the ball the way that, you know, the expectations of everybody around here? That's like you think about, man, okay, this would really be a top four team because they would just be blowing everybody out of the water. It would be almost 100 points if they were running the ball like they wanted to. But, yeah, just like I said, just the offensive line trying to get that situated, I think, first before they try to do too much because I don't think we've even seen a counter. Have we seen a counter play yet from the from the offense? It's just really just like a handoff yeah. from the shotgun formation and, 
just going from there, trying to hit a hole as quickly as you can. And then you got the one-on-one matchups you got the win. I mean, that's it seems like a, a tough situation right now for the running backs, just trying to, you know, get 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 them more behind the blockers. Let's see if we can get that situation started. Now that we're we're getting into Big 12 play where everything really, really matters, you know, the conference play and everything like that. Maybe we'll see a counter here and there because OU is like o- over time has been very good at running the counter situation. So where is that yeah. at? And I want to see that uh, more often, at least in the next game, just to just see where it's at. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's going to need to come along. And another thing that's going to need to come along, and uh, I'm not just going to keep making the same point every single Monday, but the tight end room is still a non-factor. <laughs> um, Austin Stogner. The wide receivers well, are too Austin good. I Stogner a lot. The wide receivers like, are too good. You know, I'm trying to figure this out with, with Stogner and the tight end room right now mm-hmm. because, you know, when we last saw Austin Stogner in 2021, Bedlam, that was the last time we saw him, he was making plays on jump balls in the corner, uh, you mm-hmm. know, against Oklahoma State, catching tutties, looking yeah. great. And he ended up transferring to South Carolina. We all know how that went. I'm sitting here wondering, where is that guy? He looks so much slower than he did a couple years ago. And he just isn't a factor right now. And I'm not even asking him to be something he's not. Just be what I've seen you be before is what I'm like trying to say. In 2021, last time he was in an OU uniform, I still, you know, again, the wide receivers have been so good it hasn't mattered. And it may not matter the whole time. I mean, they may go the whole year and, and win 11, 12 games, and the tight ends yeah. are never a big deal, and that's that. Yeah. But I'm still waiting for them to become a bigger – I mean, Blake Smith has had probably – you know, he's caught a t- he's had a, probably a better year – than Austin Stogner has so far, and that was not the plan. So I still like Austin Stogner, the player. Um, I still think he can be really good, but he just hasn't so far. So far, he's been massively below what I thought he could be as an offensive weapon. I mean, because mm-hmm. he hasn't really been one at all in mm-hmm. the first few games. Are you worried about that? So far, I mean, I, you know, I think early part of the season. I think we've 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 talked to Jeff Libby about this before the season. I mean, he's he's talked about that wide receiver room is six guys, six guys, seven guys deep, right? Yeah. We talked about the tight end room. It was like, we want to keep Austin Stogner to where he can play 80% of the snaps throughout the game, which lets you know, like, maybe that's not as deep room as possible. So at that point, you're, you're thinking, where is he actually at when Dylan Gabriel is making his reads during a play? At what point is, is he the, the person that he looks at? You know what I mean? Like, you're going to look at the wide receivers first mm-hmm. and then come down to the tight end because you don't want to overuse him right now. If you want to play 80% of the snaps, you can't overuse him. You don't want to get him hurt. So you just, maybe he's just not getting the targets that he's he's used to getting. I mean, he's he's also coming off an injury. So, like, all that plays a factor into it. Like, I mean, we haven't seen him drop a pass or anything like that. I mean, th- that's not necessarily the case of what's happening with the tight end. So it's just – Yeah, he just – the game is he just getting the targets? and I forget he – Exactly. Forget exactly. Yeah. Is he getting the targets? Is he getting looked at? And that's that's probably what it is mostly. But, you know, we, we want to see. You, you, you want to see – you want to see more of him because – the tight end becomes a very big, you know, thing in the red zone. You you would think that's where you start seeing the more of the tight end. Just haven't seen it yet. I mean, the the, the offensive guy, the wide receiver guys, has just been outstanding, making moves in the in the red zone and getting getting free in the end zone. So I mean, yeah, can't knock it too much because it's working. But you want to see be able to be able to adjust, just like the defense did against Cardell Williams or more mobile quarterback. You want to see the adjustment be able to be made, and we yeah. haven't seen that just yet. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, I, I just. Again, you know, 2019 Baylor game, 2020 Texas game, mm-hmm. Bellum at 21. Like, I've seen Stogner, you know, kind of take over games and make big-time plays in yeah. big moments, contested catches. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, I want to see that guy. Mm-hmm. I want to see that guy. And it may is come it, to a lot of a, 
it's entirely different offensive system too as well. Like maybe yeah, Jeff yeah, Levy doesn't true. prior he doesn't prioritize the, the tight end as, as much as the, the former regime. Maybe well, that's the thing though is that last year Brady like, Willis was a oh, humongous yeah, yeah, part of the offense. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, you, you, it's true. That's true. I remember. Yeah, and so it's you know that, that's what's weird. Maybe this year he's getting away from it because he doesn't have a you know Braden Willis type guy. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, you know, but I'm still waiting to see that. And I, mm-hmm. I promise I won't just say that every single Monday. But I, every I'm, week the game ends and I'm like, again, yeah. where where are these guys? Where yeah. are they? I'm sure it'll change next year. We'll see a lot yeah. more of the tight end in yeah, situations. We'll so. I mean, this room is thin, which doesn't help. Yeah, just got to so get more depth. We'll see uh, in due time. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast. We'll be back after this short break. Uh, last thing I had for this game that I wanted to make sure we brought up was uh, the Jackson Arnold package continues to be weird. I mean, do you, do you like? I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why we're treating Jackson Arnold like he's Blake Bell running him up the gut. I just. I've said that I, I'm, I'm being consistent with that. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I like that they let him throw it around a little bit. You know, that was a yeah. big question. We were like, are they going to let this guy actually throw? He did throw four passes in this game, including that dot to Nick Anderson for the mm-hmm. touchdown. That was awesome. Had the trick play where he tried to get it to Gavin Freeman. It wasn't a bad throw, but he was just covered up, which wasn't there. Um, so they, they did expand it out a little bit, which was nice to see. But it still feels like, like Jeff Levy and Brent Venables – and more specifically, obviously, Levy, because he's running the mm-hmm. offense, have this shiny toy in Jackson Arnold who they love, and they just they want to use them, but, like, they don't know the best way to do it. And yeah. last week was better, so it's still a work in progress. I think it will continue to to go, but the Arnold packages still feel forced, I guess, for lack of a better word, to me right now. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that what we saw last, on Saturday was the Arnold package that we had seen in the previous games. Like, it looked like he was actually running as the quarterback. I mean, just overall running the offense as the, as the yeah, quarterback. Yeah, which is strange. Just game. put another guy in to – Yeah. yeah you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But maybe that was because of the score. I mean, anything like that could have been why he was in at that point. He he came in, he threw the, the pass. Like, that was just really – it's way too hard for, like, the two-yard pass he was trying to make to the tight end. It just <laughs> – it was just too hard. And he just couldn't catch that pass. So, then that puts him in a, you know, third-down situation where he has to try to run the ball – and why I say it's different is because on that play, it didn't seem like the running back uh, it comes over to help block. That's not what happened there. It was just like him by himself running into the hole. Like it just it didn't make sense in that situation. The reason for the package is have the quarterback run the ball, so you have another blocker, which would be the running back. Because t- typically you yeah. just hand the ball to a running back, and then your quarterback's not blocking. So that's that's one less guy blocking. With Arnold out there, you have the running back blocking, and Arnold can be the runner. That's that's what it's supposed to be. So. I'm not sure what we saw last week is exactly what that was. I mean, when he lined up at wide receiver, I was like, okay, for some reason, I'm thinking they're going to try to flip the ball to him and have him throw a pass here pretty soon. And, you know, as I put that on our message board, you can go back and look at it. The, the, next, the very next play, they, they tried that. They tried to just yeah, try right. to make a throw after pitching it to him. So, right. I mean, I think they're just trying stuff out right now. Why it was a big lead. It was a big lead when this yeah, came you have out. That thankfully, you're, it wasn't. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully, it wasn't during like a, a very pivotal moment of the game mm-hmm. when you're trying that. Cause then you're like, that makes it look like you don't have any answers for anything. They're trying to see what works right now. And that's what that was. But you still want to give Jackson Arnold some, you know, time on the field. That's that's what it was. And then he goes out there on a on an official drive on his own and throws that dot to Nick Anderson as we talked about. And it, and it shows you what he is really going to be doing next season, hopefully with Nick Anderson as well, out there on the sideline. Just, man, just a, a great connection that they had on that play. And, you know, he had a great connection with Jacques Petaway at the beginning of the year too. So 
Yeah. Good to see him and the young receivers connecting so well so far. Oh, he looks great. And, you mm-hmm. know, when, I mean, also, like I said, that throw to Nick Anderson was, <laughs> was, I mean, dr- talk about dropping the bucket. Yeah. Full, full stride. Full stride. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Just great. So, yeah. Like I said, it, I still feel like they're trying to maybe find how they want to do that. They obviously want to get him in. They want to use him. They want to get him reps um, in real life game spots, not just yeah. garbage time, you know? Yeah. So, We'll see how that develops. You know, it's still early. And uh, like you were kind of saying, when you have the luxury of blowing out your opponents, you can really play around with it. Um, so we'll see how that continues to go. And I'm curious, you know, when they are in, eventually they will play a close game. Uh, Texas is looming. How how do they make it work in those spots where it's, okay, exactly. we, need, we need points. This is not just we're up 30, we can play around. That's going to be interesting to see uh, how they approach that. So and I can't remember last yeah. year in the in the – Red River showdown. Like who? Who was the? Who was the guy that was it? The, was it Braden Willis or was it running back? Wow, threw the interception. He came well, in Gray, Wildcat. Eric Gray threw the Eric interception. Eric Gray did it. Yeah. So he. So he's the guy running the ball. Tries to jump throw and he throws interception. <laughs> I think the Jackson Arnold package is that, but with Jackson Arnold, he's the, you know he's going to be the guy running that. And so when he's running the ball, he and he has an opportunity to stop and throw a pass. You trust that a lot more, a lot more. Not to knock against Eric Gray's throwing abilities, but. <laughs> Jackson Arnold yeah. is obviously better in that situation. So I think yeah. that's what they're setting it up, setting up for. I mean, you haven't seen it too much out of his package of him throwing the ball, but I think that's to be expected here down the line. Because Venable said they're going to try to open it up more. And whenever mm-hmm. they do get a chance to do that, I think they will. It's going to be interesting to see, that's for sure. Uh, every weekend I'm kind of just excited to see when Jackson Arnold gets in the game. So we'll, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that and uh, maybe have a chance this weekend uh, in Cincinnati. Big 12 play starts this weekend. Excited. Uh, obviously, the non-conference is fun to see some different matchups. But when you get to conference play, it's uh, the start of a new season in, in some ways. And so the Big 12 slate obviously opens up this weekend. Full slate of games. The conference so far, before we get into you know talking about the Cincinnati games a little bit, the conference so far, James, I wanted to bring this up. I wanted, I wanted to talk about it on the show today because it, it's, it's been bad. I mean, so yeah. far, OU and Texas have done their thing. You know, Texas beat Alabama. They got pushed by Wyoming a little bit, but they they end up pulling away. You know, Texas has looked good. OU's look good. You can't say that about almost anybody else. UCF has played pretty well, but John Reese Plumlee is is banged up right now. You know, Kansas State was supposed to be clearly that third best team, and they lost at Missouri. Gross loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was on a sixty yard field goal, but still not. That was a game you you need your third best team in the conference to win, mm-hmm. and they didn't. Uh, obviously, everybody knows what happened to Oklahoma State over the weekend. Got housed at home by South Alabama. Man. Iowa State lost to Ohio. Baylor lost to Texas State back in week one. James, this conference, it's bad. I mean, it's OU and Texas and everybody else right now. At least that's how it feels. Uh, yeah, that, exactly. That a fair assessment. That's exactly what it is right now. And it's, I think it's going to be the rest of the season. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be OU and Texas. You know, if in the grand scheme of things, trying to be the teams that are in the playoff, I guess you could say, you know, in that an aspect. But mm. I mean, over that's the teams you, you got to, and that's not what the commissioner wanted at the start no, of the season. Not at all. He, he wanted he wanted all your <laughs> Texas to to be farther down. You know, having having the next guy type of you know step up here and there. Maybe they're maybe they're trying to claim Colorado at this point. Maybe they're they're claiming <laughs> Deion Sanders and all them you for saw. what they've done so far. But yeah, man, just OU and Texas is the the front runners overall. I mean. The Red River Showdown is going to be a, such a great, great game and to see oh, yeah. where these two teams are going to be because that's going to decide a lot. That's going to decide a lot. One of those, whoever wins that game is going to be, you know, bolstered a, a, like in the top 10, top eight type of situation. 
whoever wins that game, no matter what happens. I think that's where it's going to be because I think both teams should be undefeated by the time that they get to that game and week week six, right? Week six, you should yeah. be five and zero oh at the time. So that uh, yeah, that's the big that's the big game. Those are the two top two teams in this conference, man. Because uh-huh. Kansas State losing, you know, they, they didn't look like they had looked early in the season. And, you know, teams like Baylor and TCU haven't looked good at all. Which you know, the teams you were thinking maybe they're going to be the ones to take over a little bit more when OU leaves, OU and Texas leaves. They, they just haven't looked that way so far. You know, just it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. The conference is going to be yeah. weak. So, I mean, potentially OU's only, you know, ranked win could be against Texas this season with the way the schedule and the rest of the Big 12 schedule looks. I mean, that, that would be unfortunate. So they, they would have to win this game, I think, to really put themselves in the spotlight of trying to be a playoff team. I mean, you still have the Big 12 championship game, which can change a lot of things, but – Right. I think that's the that's the main thing right now. Yeah. Was has there ever been a sadder tweet than when the Big Twelve tweeted from their official account, you know, ranked teams this week, and it was just OU in Texas. <laughs> I mean, they got ratioed and dunked on so hard. Um, yeah, the new Big Twelve. I mean, I guess I guess it's not fair because if you're going to do the new Big Twelve, you'd have to include Colorado. Like so, yeah, Colorado. Yeah. But, like outside, but the Big Twelve currently has no ranked teams outside of OU Texas, so obviously won't be mm-hmm. in the conference moving forward. It's a rough go over right now. Like you, you know, we didn't even mention Texas Tech lost their opener to Wyoming. Now yeah. I will say to be to uh, you know give a little credit where it's due. I guess if you want to do that, BYU did go beat Arkansas in Fayetteville the weekend. That was a bit of a surprise. BYU had looked a little rocky. Um, they're undefeated. Um, who knows what that'll be down the road, but that was a nice win. Cincinnati, who we'll see this weekend, they lost at home to Miami of Ohio in overtime, not a loss that they should happen for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just hasn't been hasn't been pretty for the Big 12 in the non-conference yep. so far, and we'll see what happens now that we get an actual conference play. But as it stands today, September 18th, I think the world is betting on that Oklahoma and Texas are going to play twice. They're going to play on October 7th. And they're going to play again in early December because they're the two best teams in the conference. And we'll see how things actually play out. Things get crazy. Um, you know, Texas and OU have both dropped some games that nobody thought they would the last you know couple of years. It happens. It's football. It's college football. It's sports. But on paper, clearly the two best teams. And the only two teams that have a shot at making the playoff at all mm-hmm. are Texas and Oklahoma. Josh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I want you to remind me about something here real quick. What was your hot take before the season started? You asked me and Tom to come on here. Well, Tom and I to come on here. And give our hot takes. Tom said down. Tom's hot take was Andrew Anthony is going to lead this receiver room and you know receptions and things like that. Which so far it looks that looks pretty good because that looks good. yeah. My hot take was oh he was going to go eleven and one this year. They're gonna they're gonna lose the Red River Showdown and, and then beat Texas in the Big Twelve Championship game. That's that's what my hot take was. That also looks like could be the case in the situation. We're, we're, what is yours? Can you remember? Can you can you think? I, back I had to look it up. Now? I kind of forgot. Although I what didn't remember thinking? as I was looking, but I looked up because I wrote it. I wrote all this stuff down. I had Peyton Bowen as Big Twelve Freshman of the Year. That was my bold prediction. That didn't even seem like a hot take. I should I should I should have let you get away with that. Oh hey, you're, you're doing hindsight <laughs> now just because he's looking. Yeah, great. I get. Well, all we all knew he was going to be great. Are looking good though. Yeah, I'm yeah. We all all of us are looking good then. If you if you put that in there as well, I mean. Yeah, Tom also had a stuff. bonus one. He had top fifty scoring defense, which also looks good. They're in the top five. Wow. I mean, hey. Hey, those are nice hot <laughs> takes. Hey, come to Soon as Illustrated, you want to see some some real coverage, man. We got it right here. <laughs> Predictions and everything, man. <laughs> yeah. So, no, you uh, calling the Big 12 Championship game rematch is, yeah, that's his look. I mean, it's still very early, but looking great right now. I, mm-hmm. I, will, I will concede that for sure. But, yeah. yeah, so Big 12 looking rocky. We'll see how it goes right now. 
as we enter into conference play this weekend, it's yeah, it's you're kind of wondering where where are the good teams. Um, so we'll see what happens. Oklahoma State, Iowa State this weekend, first one to ten points wins, I guess, out there in Ames. That's going to be a a gross ball game. Put it that way, gross ball game. Our ball game is Oklahoma and Cincinnati on Saturday. It's an 11 a.m. Central Time kick. It'll actually be noon local. Uh, Eastern time zone out there in Cincinnati. That's going to take an adjustment. All I'm going to be thrown off all day. Yep, I've covered yep. a lot of 11 a.m. games. I don't think I've ever covered a noon kick because they're always 11 a.m. in uh, in uh, you know Central Time in, in Oklahoma. This is going to be an interesting game. This is this is probably I think I think that o- this is Oklahoma's biggest test so far. I think mm-hmm. SMU is probably a better team, but that game was in Norman. This game will be in Cincinnati. Obviously, yes, Tulsa was a road game. But not really. It was like seventy-five no, OU fans in there, maybe even more than that. It was it was an OU it was an OU home game essentially. Yeah. I mean, when you can when you can when you can get a sack and then hype up the fans and it's your <laughs> fans cheering for you. That's not how bad you know. We didn't talk about this on the wrap. I don't think we should. Have. How awkward was it when the Tulsa MC guy is like trying to hype the crowd and yeah. it's just crickets because yeah. it's all OU fans. It's OU rough. fans. Yeah, it was it was some awkward moments. Yeah, uh, it's a tough spot for yeah. Tulsa. I mean, because a lot of Tulsa people are are going to be, you know, fans of either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. So sure, Oklahoma's in town, so those fans that don't uh-huh. really get to see them are going to be there. You know, yeah, so they take it over. It, I mean, so what can you do? What this you weekend will not be like that. Cincinnati, yeah. it'll be it'll be a true home field advantage for the for the Bearcats. Obviously, OU fans travel extremely well. There will be OU fans there. They always they go no matter where OU plays. OU fans get there. One of the yeah. best traveling fan bases that there is, but. Obviously, this is going to be a real-life home game for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. It'll be Bearcat contingent. Um, I don't know if it's a sellout there or not yet, but I imagine it'll be a really big crowd because everyone gives their best shot for Oklahoma. I've always said this. It, covering OU is one of the you know, most fun teams to cover because when you go on the road, you get everybody's best game day atmosphere. That's the best that they can deliver because everybody gets up for OU. So Cincinnati, I don't know what it's like on a regular Saturday afternoon against East Carolina or whatever. But when it's Oklahoma, we're going to see the best version of Cincinnati. And so it'll be crazy. Um, it'll be the first time on the road for some of these guys. First time on the road, really, for Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen and you know, all these young guys. Excited to see that. And like we said, Cincinnati does have some players uh, defensively. They've got some dudes, especially on their front seven. Emory Jones, um, while not you know a, a future NFL quarterback probably, is very athletic. He can move around. He can make plays. So this will be a challenge this weekend, James. I'm excited to see it. We're going to, you know, you kind of always got to say this. We're going to learn a lot more about Oklahoma this weekend. I don't know how much we really learned from the Tulsa game. We're going to learn something this weekend in this mm-hmm. game. I, I'm going to be a hundred. I'm going to be so surprised if Cincinnati doesn't sell out this game. Honestly, like honestly, right. this right. Oklahoma's coming in. And not only that, it's, it's your too. first. Yeah, it's your first time in the Big 12. You 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 have to sell that game. out. That That's it's the big you're back on the big stage. This is the big moment for the team. I mean. When you look back at teams that give not even beat OU, just give them just give them run for their money. That next recruiting class looks really really good. Like like Tulane, they look good. Boise State, you talk about them, they were on the map for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Army even had a good game against OU a while back, and they did really good the next season. I mean, just 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 having a good game against OU is helps a program out a lot. So just to not have your fans come out will be detrimental detrimental for you know this conference and what Cincinnati wants to do. I mean. That that can't happen. Looking at the you know the X's and O's and things like that, we talked to Jeff Levitt today, and he was like, "The defensive line for Cincinnati is probably the best we're going to see we've seen so far this season. Just the defensive line alone, that front." And so he's really curious to see what his offensive line is going to do and how they're going to run the ball against that situation. That, I mean, that's 
that's the big that's the big question I think going into this game. You're gonna ask it on Thursday, so I'll wait until yeah. to give a full breakdown. But that's for sure. That's the big question I think going into this game is that defensive line against OU's uh, offensive line and all the question marks that OU has right now. Yeah, no, well, like you said, we'll break down the game in full on Thursday show with Tom. But there is a world in this game where Oklahoma, the things that we've talked about that they've been able to bandaid over, offensive line maybe not being as good as they'd like. You know, not running the ball at a consistently high level. Those things that haven't mattered, they could matter in this game. They say it's got some guys on their defense. They do. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Like I said, uh, this is Oklahoma's best test so far. Um, this is their best test pre-Texas game because Iowa State is looking very bad. Uh, they come to Norman the week after. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. I, Oklahoma absolutely should win. They're a healthy favorite. They should be. But there, there are some tests involved in this matchup. And like I said, we'll break it down in full on Thursday. Looking forward to it though. I'm excited to get up there. I think it's a new territory for a lot of us. I've never really been to Cincinnati outside of just a quick pit stop one time. So kind of new territory. Nippert Stadium where they play out there is really old. It's like one of the sneaky oldest stadiums in college football. So that's gonna be kind of cool. Just you know it's always kind of fun to be in the old places, even though they're not maybe have the amenities of some of the new places. It's kind of fun to just be where there's been literally over 100 years of football. So You always have, like, the, the breakdowns of the stadiums and the press boxes that I don't even think about. <laughs> I, I mean, what in the world? Okay. Look okay. ahead, man. I see. I see. Yeah. That, it's really oh, – so let's see what happens. It's really old. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, man, you kill me with that, man. <laughs> I, I, I like to know. What are we, what are we it, dealing man. with? What yeah. are we dealing with? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, what are we dealing with? So I'm excited, <laughs> though. It's, it should be fun. And I, like I said before, you get everybody's best atmosphere when Oklahoma is in town. So it'll mm. be probably packed to the gills, and it'll be a lot of fun. It's a big new kickoff game, too. It's on Fox. They're going to have their pregame show there. So it, it, it'll be a fun one. It'll be a fun one. So be sure to tune in to Thursday's show for the full breakdown and preview of that game, including our game picks, final predictions, the ins and outs, the matchups we're watching, the players we're watching, all of it. We're going to break it all down for you on Thursday's show with Tom Green and Colin Kennedy as well. We'll hit some uh, latest recruiting talk as well for him. Be sure to also keep a lookout on Wednesday, Danny Okoye commitment. We talked about that a lot with Colin last yep. couple of weeks. Um, planning to get up to Tulsa. I think James is as well. Uh, yep. A little inconvenient, but we're going to do it. It's Wednesday night in Bixby, <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, we'll see what Danny Okoye decides to do on Wednesday night. So be sure to keep up with the website, Oklahoma247sports.com. Become a VIP subscriber and also keep up with the YouTube channel for all the latest press conferences, uh, game wrap-ups, the podcast, and you'll hear from Danny Okoye on the channel on Wednesday night. So we want to sure to subscribe to that as well. A lot coming your way, a lot coming off the weekend, a lot more ahead of this weekend in Cincinnati. Busy times, James. I'm excited, though, to get on the road for real for the first time hit the you know like i said catch a flight get out there see what cincinnati's like mm-hmm. yeah this hey this is episode 19 of the pod i don't have enough fingers to show it next time i'm gonna have the board i gotta have the board next time the flash you well, 20 you know, 20 and 21 you can kind of you can cheat again you're back you around flash, you can flash a little bit okay yeah, you, yeah i mean we'll back see around to a, a fingers we'll see. yeah but yeah, i'm you, you get the it. board man gotta keep that tradition going <laughs> no i know all the subscribers and of the YouTube channel like that. I haven't, I haven't, heard, anything. I haven't heard anything. I'm sorry. I'm being sarcastic, but yeah, you, you know go. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, all right. I think that's it for us for now. Uh, actually, it'd be a decently long show, about normal length. We had a lot to talk about, I guess. Thursday show, back with Tom Green and Colin Kennedy. Hit the latest recruiting news, and we'll also break down Oklahoma and Cincinnati on Saturday up there in Ohio. That's it for now. For James Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys Thursday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated podcast.
See you.